Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is threat. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard I'm Ryan Gable, your host, 
and you are listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on The Fringe FM. You can visit the network website at thefringe.fm, visit our website at thesecretteachings.info, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Last week, I did a show called Trust Me, I'm an Expert. We talked a lot about propaganda and what propaganda is. Typically misleading information, but it doesn't necessarily have to be false information. Propaganda can be information that is out of context, but very true within its isolated context, but out of its overall out of its overall context. It's information of a biased and misleading nature. It's used to promote something, to publicize something, usually something in the realm of politics. But obviously, it works for advertising for products. It works for advertising faith and belief systems. Propaganda works and is employed in ways that we'd never imagine. And we are confronted with various forms of propaganda more times than we can count through each day and each night, whether we watch television, we go to the grocery store, or we simply see a billboard while we're driving down the road, or we see something pop up on our phone while we're on the internet or while we're playing a game. Propaganda is prolific. Propaganda is everywhere. Another name for propaganda is public relations, relations that are being built with the public. You go to major universities, you can learn about these Techniques. You can learn about public relations. You can learn about propaganda. We talked about George Washington University. They have a whole course. It's one of the first courses to come up on an internet search, but you can find plenty of other schools that also have courses in public relations and propaganda. Even when I was in film school, I took a class towards the, it was a two year degree, and towards the end of the degree, We took like a news class, and the whole point of the class was how to manipulate a story, how to spin, like the media spin room, how to spin a story so that you can take something that's either not interesting or something that really isn't a story, and you can turn it into something not only interesting and not only a story, but something that is breaking news. That was actually a class in film school. It's very rare that you can find a media organization, a magazine, a publisher, a radio show, radio network. It's very rare you can find any publisher of information or even an individual, particularly an individual in a collective setting because most people, one-on-one, you can get along and have a conversation with them even if you disagree. But in a collective setting where other people are around, It's difficult to have those kinds of conversations because someone might overhear you. What is that person going to think of me? All of these little insecurities, all these little worries that we have are things that multiple systems on multiple levels exploit and utilize, taking advantage of our good nature, taking advantage of our very human emotions, taking advantage of our naivety to sell us things, not just products, but More importantly, most importantly, 
more critically to sell us ideas, to sell us perceptions. We watch television, we watch news, we read news, we listen to news, and our reality is framed for us, our reality is manufactured for us. And the central source of what we call truth and accuracy is authority. But authority is a very general word because authority can be applied to a number of things. And an authority on one thing might disagree with an authority on another thing, contradicting the idea that an authority is always right. Now, all of you, I think, know this. It's pretty basic, pretty simple, pretty superficial information pertaining to what public relations are, what propaganda is. We know all of this. We know about information and how information is used as a weapon, especially in the modern day where we have internet and we have social media and we have instantaneous connectivity. But people resort to using the same techniques that are employed by businesses and politicians that are employed by ideological dogma that some people attach themselves to. And some people resort to these types of these forms of propaganda and public relations without even knowing it, without understanding it, because it's a, it's a natural reaction. Well, other people are doing it, so I should probably do it too, like giving into peer pressure. And it works both ways, because in public relations, just giving in because everybody else is doing it, it would be known as the bandwagon, more the bandwagon fallacy. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that you should do it. Of course, you know this, but peer pressure pushes you to do it because other people are doing it or think a certain way because other people are thinking it, or at least you think that they're thinking it, or it's implied that they're thinking it. You and nine other people might be thinking 10 different things. Each of you are thinking something different, but if it's implied to you, if it's whispered into your ear that everyone else, all of the other nine people are thinking something different than you, but they're all thinking the same thing in their little nine-person collective, you're the odd person out. So you need to think like them, you need to act like them to fit into the group, but they're all thinking different things, but they're told that everyone else is thinking something different. That's how this works. That's the bandwagon. So naturally, we're worried what other people are thinking of us, so we tend to go along with what other people are doing. And it's the leader, whether by choice or personality, that is typically followed. That's why people that wear a white lab coat, people that have glasses on, people that look like they're in charge, people will follow them because naturally we listen to authorities. And if you look like an authority, you probably are an authority. But this works reversed. Psychologically, you can extract techniques for manipulation and for public relations out of how people already interact. So people are worried about what other people think. You weaponize that. 
You go in and rewire the brain and you use that to sell people products to sell them ideals, ideologies. Of course, when you're talking about printing for news or for political things, using vague terminology is always, and this is done all throughout radio, is always one of the primary weapons that are utilized because you don't need to be specific. You don't have to talk about particulars, just generalities that sort of imply and nudge people. And those people will make their own decisions based on that information. Part of the issue is the false dilemma. We, we, we suffer from a false dilemma disease because whether it's political or it's your typical conversation between two teenagers about which gaming system is better, two adults about which phone operating system is better. Everything of this nature is based on a false dilemma. The idea that if you don't like PlayStation, you must like Xbox. If you don't like Xbox, you must, you must like PlayStation. If you don't like Republicans, you're not a Republican, you must be a Democrat. Again, this is all very basic stuff that you all know. But these are techniques that have been extracted from normal, organic human interaction, exploiting human interaction and human insecurity and human emotion and fear to manipulate humans into doing something that otherwise they probably wouldn't do had they been thinking logically about whatever it is that they did or what they're thinking about doing because of some form of pressure or implication or insinuation. I don't know if you heard Monday's show. It's a lot different than tonight's show, but we did a history show on Monday. And we talked about the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. If you read the first section of the 13th Amendment, it's short. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Slavery or involuntary servitude. Are you a slave? We might use that word, I feel like I'm a slave to my job, I feel like I'm a slave to my family, I feel like I'm a slave to whatever. But slaves are people that are owned as property. And maybe you're not a slave. This is just the wording we use. It's hyperbole. You might be enslaved, meaning that you're not owned by your job. You're not owned by your family. You're not actual property, but you are enslaved in a way that is involuntary. You don't want to be enslaved. You don't want to have to go to that job every day. You don't want to have to do the things that you're doing that are making you feel as if you're, you're, you're stuck. And through that comes the involuntary servitude. But involuntary servitude becomes voluntary when you volunteer to serve whatever it is that you're serving. In other words, historically speaking, the 13th Amendment in the United States, just as an example, eliminated slavery. It eliminated involuntary servitude. However, if you volunteer to be a slave, if you volunteer to be enslaved, if you volunteer to serve, 
You've waived your freedom. Again, for a lot of people, this is very, very simple elementary stuff. But it's necessary to kind of rehash this, to re-examine this, so we can go further beyond simple public relations and just simple propaganda. On last week's show, called Marxist America, we talked about the four steps, the four stages of ideological subversion. It begins with demoralization, then destabilization, and then a crisis, a violent crisis, and normalization of what now is the new normal. Demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and normalization. These are propaganda techniques that were fine-tuned by the Soviet Union. We always think about Nazi Germany. You might even think about American propaganda. Maybe you think about popcorn advertisements at movie theaters and how there were subliminal messages in that or how Russian television stations were caught years ago broadcasting subliminal messages or how there are subliminal messages in television advertisements to this day, but they're not so subliminal if you can, you, you, you know what to look for. I mean, subliminal messaging is one thing, but subliminal messaging is also kind of simplified through something known as guerrilla advertising, where you don't really have to subliminally place the, the brand, the product in, in front of a person. You simply put it in the background you have the characters in the TV show talking about it. They mention something. That's guerrilla advertising. And it's like subliminal messaging because you don't notice it, but your brain is processing the information. Like if you ever watch the, there's a TV show with Kevin James and Leigh Remini, the woman who talked about the church of, what was it, Scientology and how it was a cult. If you watch the introduction to that show, I, I used to watch that show all the time with uh, Jerry Stiller who died recently. And if you watch the introdu introduction to that show, they sit down on a bench and the music's playing. It's toward the end of the intro. It's like 20 seconds or so. And there's a Coke can on the bench in between them. And you're looking at them, but the eyes are drawn to the characters and then down to the center of the bench where there's a Coca-Cola can. And I watched that show for years. And it wasn't until I became more aware of things like psychological manipulation, ideological subversion, that I realized, oh, that's pretty much everywhere. Whether you're watching Seinfeld or you're watching Married with Children. I mean, how many Tang jokes did they make in that, in that show with Al Bundy? He's, he's making a Tang witch. He's got, he's got the Tang every morning. There's never anything left in the, in, in the Tang container. He's got to wipe it down with the bread to get the Tang residue. I mean, it's all advertising. It's all marketing. It's, it's all, everything is. It's not just a product, it's an idea. You're, you're sold new realities through the advertising. We're not talking about just selling something from the point of view of Madison Avenue. It's about creating new realities, new perceptions. I mean, if you think about something like the Tavistock Institute, the Tavistock Institute has been so instrumental in manipulating and 
let's call it redirecting, not directing, but redirecting. And then once the redirection has taken place, a directing of society in various parts of the world, primarily in the United Kingdom and in the United States, where we know it's well-documented. But the Tavistock Institute, which researches psychological methods of control, the Tavistock Institute has worked with groups and foundations to profile mental and psychological experiences in life, to record that information, and then to use it to literally just manipulate people. And it might sound simple, like, oh, someone's manipulating you to do something you don't want to do. Somebody manipulated you into having sex with them. Somebody manipulated you into... You know, you know, you feel bad that you know your coworkers are there at work, so you stayed an extra half hour when you're supposed to go home. You feel maybe manipulated. We're not talking about that kind of manipulation. We're talking about subverting natural law, subverting the human experience, and the Tavistock Institute in particular. It's very well documented. Even the governor of the Tavistock Institute came out just a couple of months ago and quit because what the Tavistock Institute was doing was taking young girls and young boys, offering them free assistance, and then chemically castrating them. This, this is like London Telegraph. Just type in Tavistock Institute, head of Tavistock Institute quits, and you can read the article. Tavistock Institute has been involved in social engineering and social manipulation for decades. The Tavistock Institute is just one name for a long, long list of organizations that want to overthrow and restructure global civilization, global society. It's the same thing at the World Economic Forum with the Red Dragon Prince Charles talking about a global reset. And I know a lot of people that are really excited about the global reset. They, they bought currency in other countries, and they're talking about how the U.S. dollar is going to collapse finally, but we're going to get all of our money in gold. That's not what's going to happen. The global reset means that everything is going to be reset into a global commune. And this is not a communist conspiracy. We blame communism in some cases, that's the name for it. In other cases, we can call it Marxism. In other cases, we can call it crony capitalism. It's kind of like with crime. We break things down like, well, that was a hate crime. Well, that, that was a crime of passion. Well, it's just crime. If you rape somebody, if you stole something, if you murdered somebody, these are just crimes. They're not hate crimes. They're not crimes of passion. They're, they're just crimes. If you want to break it down to understand it better... And how it works, criminal psychology, that's one thing, statistical data to understand how this, how this, again, how it all works psychologically so that you can maybe try to better, through understanding, control it and prevent it. But overall, crime is just crime. Crime is just crime. And, and, and these various forms of, of psychological conditioning and control, we like to blame on one group or another group. We blame it on that group. It's that group's fault. It's that group. And in some cases, it is that group's fault. But ultimately, the end game 
on a global scale is the establishment of what George Beakley called the Golden Circle. The Golden Circle is a giant slave plantation that at the time in the Americas would stretch down into Mexico, through the Caribbean, throughout much of the south of the United States, and this global slave plantation would be guarded and protected and run by the knights of this golden circle. And from the knights of the golden circle came the Ku Klux Klan. This global, this global golden circle, which is ultimately what it is, this golden circle that is global is a global plantation. It's a global commune. You can call it whatever you want, but it doesn't work within the confines of some political party or some revolutionary group. It uses groups. It uses people. It uses organizations. It uses your naivety and your willingness to believe that there is good in all people. And maybe there is good in all people. But some people have very little to no good at all. And some of those people wish to simply subvert the rule of natural law, and they wish to enslave your mind. Kind of like that famous rap song, Illuminati want my mind, soul, and my body. They got your body, most of you, and they got your mind, most of you, most of us. They got our body and our mind. And a lot of people, they've got their soul too. I do this show because I'm not willingly turning over my body, my mind, or my soul. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. When we come back, I'll take you to the next level of this psychological and ideological, these methods of subversion, right here on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere, www.thesecretteachings.info, right here on The Fringe. FM. Stay with us. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. Here at the Secret Teachings Radio Show, we're going on 11 years broadcasting. It's been a long run, and I hope that there'll be a lot more to come. In 11 years, we've acquired a massive amount of shows with hundreds of guests, thousands of timeless subjects. You can access that entire archive right now when you subscribe on our website at thesecretteachings.info. Now, all you have to do, it's very simple, is visit www.thesecretteachings.info. You click the tab at the top of the page that says Donate or Subscribe, and you donate $35 through PayPal. You'll see the button there. You're going to get a one-year subscription with access to every show. You can download it and stream it. You'll also get a free copy of one of my books, and I'll ship it to you free in the United States. It's only $35.00. And you can do that at thesecretteachings.info. On the website, you'll also find my books if you'd like to see them individually, read reviews, and more. The books are in softcover and digital form, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. You can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com and catch us on the Fringe FM five nights a week 
When you subscribe to the show or you buy a book, it supports you, it supports the network, and it supports the secret teachings. But even if you don't subscribe, you can still find a free archive of some of our best shows on the website, and we give away one free show a week, www.thesecretteachings.info. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on TeePublic by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Show, and you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Check out my show, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fringe, 11 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern, U.S. time. loads of them all snaking off like roots and what we do on one path affects what happens on other paths time is a construct people think you can't go back and change things but you can that's what flashbacks are they're invitations to go back and make different choices when you make a decision you think it's you doing it but it's not it's the spirit out there that's connected to our world that decides what we do and we just have to go along for the ride mirrors let you move through time the government monitors people They pay people to pretend to be your relatives. And they put drugs in your food. And they film you. There's messages in every game. Like Pac-Man. Do you know what Pac stands for? P-A-C. Program and control. He's program and control man. The whole thing's a metaphor. He thinks he's got free will, but really, he's trapped in a maze, in a system. All he can do is consume. He's pursued by demons that are probably just in his own head. And even if he does manage to escape by slipping out one side of the maze, what happens? He comes right back in the other side. 
People think it's a happy game. It's not a happy game. It's a fucking nightmare world. And the worst thing is, it's real and we live in it. It's all code. If you listen closely, you can hear the numbers. There's a cosmic flowchart that dictates where you can and where you can't go. I've given you the knowledge. I've set you free. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions. And uh, I'd be willing to come back at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion. So thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. love this western music just have to listen to it for a second i'm ryan gable and this is the secret teachings on the fringe fm propaganda it's not necessarily false information it's more like misleading information it's information that's biased information that's used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view we utilize propaganda, we utilize public relations techniques every single day, every interaction we have, everything we interact with. These techniques are being utilized on us or we are utilizing these techniques. Now, it's not because we study those techniques, it's because the techniques were derived from human experience. We feel uncomfortable in a group of people, and so we acquiesced what everybody else is doing. Well, that's a bandwagon. It's known psychologically as a fallacy, but it's also a form of public relations. If you get people to feel like they're isolated and they're alone and they're not a part of something unless they have this new watch or this new item of whatever kind of uh, whatever kind of uh, thing it might be, then it's more likely they'll go buy it because this isn't based on logic, it's based on emotion. And yes, you should have emotions, but you should also be thinking with a logical, critical mind using your brain to process information in the physical world, using your mind to process the information in a spiritual sense through the physical so that other people don't use you. And this is the thing that kind of, it kind of throws me sometimes. I literally get up every single day, and if I'm not working or the one day a week I get to see my son or whatever the case might be, whatever I'm doing that day, I'm always trying to do something. Even before I relax, you know, and just sit back and watch a movie or something, I always try to accomplish something. I try to build something. I know a lot of you are like that. I'm not talking about like building a birdhouse or something, but I try to build, I try to create something. I try to do something, whether it's usually it's cooking or I try to read something and learn something. I'm getting up every day and a lot of what I do goes into this radio show. I'm always thinking about 
listeners. I'm always thinking about conversations I have with listeners. I'm always thinking about emails I get. I'm always thinking about the last show. I'm listening to the last show. I'm trying to make something every show better than the last show. And that's that's virtually impossible to do because every show is so unique and different. But I'm trying to focus my energy on helping other people. And the only thing I get back for that is a sense of accomplishment that I don't flout in front of other people. And it's a sense of achievement through radio and through what I've built because what I do clearly is being fed back to me in a positive way when I have so many of you listening and enjoying the show. So the reason I'm explaining this is because this is something that I'm doing because I truly care about other people, but I don't have to constantly tell you I care about other people. I'll bring it up on a show or two like this because the psychological nature and the megalomaniacal nature of certain people like a Bill Gates, for example, is that he cares about you and he wants to help you. And my question is, why would I trust a billionaire elitist whose father and mother ran eugenics operations openly, publicly, and who every time he speaks is on a Freudian not slip, a Freudian slip and slide. Talking about we need more babies to die, we need more families to die, we need more people to die with vaccines. I mean, the guy is just an absolute monster. But I'm supposed to trust this person. Why? Because he has some money and because he's an authority. So if I suddenly got $50 billion and I started talking about the same thing, people would, would, would listen to me because I'm a billionaire. But if I just sat here and said, we need to kill a bunch of people, we did, well, I'd probably be arrested. So there's that weird thing when it, when it comes to authority. The authorities, they, they, they're, they're always accurate. They're always, they're always right. But beyond authority and beyond the selling of products is the method that is used. It's a textbook method, and it's been refined by governments and dictatorships, authoritarian police states throughout the the last couple of centuries, but the last century in particular. And the various stages of this psychological subversion were described by, in a very famous interview, a former KGB officer who was a member of the propaganda arm of the KGB, Yuri Bezmanov. He was a member of the Novosti Press Agency. He was interviewed by G. Edward Griffin, and he explained the steps that the USSR used to achieve what he called ideological subversion. It's a long-term process meant to change the perception of reality for the masses of people to such an extent that, as he said, despite the overabundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusion in the interest of defending themselves, their, their community, their families, their country. And, and this is done through a process of normalization, destabilization, crisis, and demoralization. And I think on the surface, 
culturally in the United States, I can speak for this country, part of the problem is we do not have a moral people. We have an immoral people, an amoral people, and a demoralized people that have been demoralized from decadence and from propaganda and mind control, psychological experimentation, whether that's, again, from a product that's being sold to you or governmental manipulation, political, all forms of manipulation. I want to play this interview because it's really, really important. And it's not a new interview. It's an older interview. It's kind of grainy. From 1984, ex-KGB agent Yuri Bezmenov describes how the USSR infiltrated nations through various stages of ideological subversion. And if you pay attention to what Yuri is saying, it's exactly what happens nearly every day. The same kind of process plays out on a micro scale in media and in the news. Demoralization, destabilization, crisis and normalization, all of this can be found in a typical talking point news article. From the headline to the conclusion of the article, it's meant to demoralize, it's meant to destabilize, it's meant to create crisis and reason for a justifiable anger or frustration, and then it's normalized at the end of the article. I mean, this is just basically how propaganda works, but this is also done on a national scale to demoralize a population, to destabilize a country, to create a crisis, to initiate a violent interaction between groups of people, and then to normalize that process. And it's done over and over and over again until the country collapses or be until you see these, these, these revolutions, these color revolutions that we've seen all over the world, from Egypt to the Ukraine. This is the interview with Yuri back in 1984, interviewed by G. Edward Griffin. Here's that interview. Yuri Alexandrovich Bezmianov. Mr. Bezmianov was born in 1939 in a suburb of Moscow. He was the son of a high-ranking Soviet Army officer. He was educated in the elite schools inside the Soviet Union and became an expert in Indian culture and Indian languages. He had an outstanding career with Novosti, which was the, and still is, I should say, the press arm or the press agency of the Soviet Union. It turns out that this is also a front for the KGB. He escaped to the West in 1970 after becoming totally disgusted with the Soviet system, and he did this at great risk to his life. He certainly is one of the world's outstanding experts on the subject of Soviet propaganda and disinformation and active measures. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion 
or active measures, активные мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. <laughs> When the military boot going to receive a kick in his fat bottom. This is the problem that we have. No matter how much information you show to somebody, no matter how many pictures, no matter how many documents, no matter how many articles of proof that you provide, no matter how many times you take them to that Soviet concentration camp, they not only will not believe it, they are unable to believe it. There is a firewall preventing them from believing it, from understanding what you are saying. This is part of the process of ideological subversion. It's part of the process of demoralization. And it's something that we can witness in our daily interactions. It's something that we can witness in our entertainment, in our politics. It's something that we can witness everywhere. People are demoralized and mixing demoralization with decadence and the lack of appreciation or contextual understanding for the environment that you live in as an American, or maybe you live in another country where you have a similar kind of government to ours, demoralization is meant to deprive people of the will to live, of the will to build, of the will to exist. It's meant to destroy the spirit. It's meant to destroy self-discipline. It's meant to destroy the courage of the individual, the morale of a people. And the continuous bombardment of demoralization 
creates confusion and bewilderment so that even when you show someone, here is the proof, this is the absolute evidence, and there's so much more of it. That can't be true. I don't believe that. It doesn't matter what you say. You're wrong. This is part of the process of demoralization, and it's not just a KGB Soviet Union tactic, but the Soviet Union really refined the measures known as active or the active measures, ideological subversion and demoralization. Here's more of that interview. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense, an economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it... The reason that that process has gone so fast, even at the point in which Yuri gave this interview in the 1980s, is because we have generations of people after the Second War Second World War in particular, you have a generation of decadence and victory that led to generations, including my generation and current generations, of complacency and ignorance, generations that have not been taught how to reason, have not been taught basic American civics, have not been taught what liberty means, have not been taught what freedom means. They think freedom means the freedom to do what they want and the oppression of other people. They believe that racism is something that only some groups of people can be guilty of. These are the cultural revolutionary techniques that are used to destabilize and to demoralize a country. And we'll go back to demoralization and destabilization in a moment because whether it's part of a, a large cycle or a smaller cycle, utilizing these techniques... What's been going on this entire year in 2020, not just in the United States, but around the world, is an implementation of these processes in an amplified and quickening way that has taken us with COVID-19 through demoralization and through destabilization, switched temporarily into the mode of crisis with George Floyd, and then switched back to the new normal, which is the Soviet Union word, normalization, that Yuri will bring up here in a moment. So demoralization, destabilization, the next part of that process is the crisis that is created. The crisis that often leads to violent change of governance. Part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization may last indefinitely. This is why you hear Bill Gates and Cuomo, governor of New York, and other state governors 
other political representatives, well, they're really not representatives, but other political talking heads, other puppets, and of course, governments of other countries, not just the United States, the World Health Organization, the CDC, all either saying directly or referencing the use of the word normal. This is the new normal. This could be the new normal. Dining in plastic plexiglass pods is the new normal. Wearing masks all the time, even when you have sex, is the new normal. Not being able to have friends over for the 4th of July, that's the new normal. And you can say, well, they're not enforcing all of this stuff. No, they don't have to enforce all of this stuff. First of all, enough people acquiesce and do what is recommended to them, what they think is a mandate, what they think is something that can be upheld as law when it's not law, and when no evidence has been provided that any of these measures from six feet social distancing to mask wearing, I keep asking for the proof that these things are helpful, that they're beneficial, and I see no evidence, no proof. All I see are news reports, and I see a few medical journals that say it could be, possibly it may help. So on the premise of it may help, we should restructure society and we should create a new normalization process to condition us to accept what is coming. And number two, you don't have to control people with these suggestions, recommendations, laws, ordinances, etc. You don't have to enforce them because not only will enough people do it without question and shame other people into doing it, but once you have the structure in place, it's like when you buy a you buy an electronic device and you, you turn it over. I think a lot of phones have, used to have this when they had batteries, but you turn it over and before you use it, you have to take out that little plastic tab. You take out the tab, then the battery activates and you can turn the phone on. That's basically what it is. The whole thing's put together. It's ready to go. The battery's in. Just remove that plastic slip and now everything becomes mandatory. The whole structure is built. We built it. We acquiesced. We voluntarily we're servants to that system, and then we walk into the prison that we just built, the door slams behind us, the lights go out, good night, not just America, good night, humanity. This is part of the process of ideological subversion and part of the process of normalization, the process of normalization which could last indefinitely, indefinitely, Yuri says. And of course, you could suggest, well, this is just one KGB agent. How do you know he's not spreading disinformation? This is also part of the process of demoralization. I'm not saying that what Yuri is saying is, is, is absolute. But when people have been demoralized, you've deprived them of discipline. You've deprived them of spirit, of, of the ability to, to, to look and to figure things out themselves, to they're, they're, they're confused. They're bewildered. They have no idea what's going on. They have a belief system. They have something that's been, that's been programmed in them to believe. And so anything to the contrary of that belief is looked at as being subversive. It's looked at as foreign. It's, it's an assault on belief. It's assault on the mind. It's assault on ideology. An ideology that has been created through methods of active measures. And people are so demoralized that regardless of what they may think is reality, 
You can show them reality. You can show them the proof. And they're still not going to believe it. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. The website, www.thesecretteachings.info. rdgable at yahoo.com. When you subscribe to the archive, there's a new page on the website. You can find all of my books there if you're a subscriber. And you can look at those books and download those books. It's part of your subscription deal. I've also put my old books in there. I've got the uh, the Grand Illusion, the Persistent Illusion, and False Prophets. They're honestly kind of embarrassing because I wrote them a long time ago, but they're still packed with information, and they are free with your subscription. It's all on the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. This song is called Calm John. A friend of mine who's in a band made this and made a couple of songs so we could play them on the show. Calm John. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We'll be back after break. Stay with us. Listening to the Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. A woman in politics is like a donkey doing calculus. Come on, there are plenty of amazing women politicians. Name one. Uh, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton? Awful. How is she awful? Hates freedom. Here at The Secret Teachings, we're pushing 11 years on air. From powerful interviews to truly unique analysis, we're here for you five nights a week. And now we can also be with you whenever you want to listen. Just subscribe to our archive today and get access to stream and download every show after it airs. Your subscription also includes access on the site to my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir, along with my original books that many people have been asking for, The Grand Illusion, The Persistent Illusion, and False Prophets. We are also growing our montage archive, which will be available on the site for subscribers to listen. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info, click on the Donate or Subscribe tab at the top of the page, and become a member today. Even if you aren't a member, though, you can access certain select shows in our free archive and grab a free show released every week on the site. Otherwise, catch us Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. See, now you're infecting my memory with your memory, and I can't even remember my own life correctly. I think you are remembering it. It was pretty good. Can we not do this? Can we not start messing with each other's memories, okay? Distorting facts, like, basically changes history. You know, it's like fake news. And then all of a sudden, nobody knows what the truth is, and facts don't matter. Guys, it's a slippery slope. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK The Fringe FM. 
if you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Understand the procedure now. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. I'm probably not supposed to play this song because of the copyright. I don't know if you heard that Ennio Morricone died a couple of days ago. It's one of the best movie soundtracks ever composed, in my opinion beautiful I thought we'd come in on this to start the second hour tonight let's just listen to this for a second you all know what this is I'm sure You watch these these old movies like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You watch these spaghetti westerns. Even, even old love movies, like love stories. You know, it was driven by story. It was driven by passion. It was driven by creativity and imagination. It was driven by something that was spiritual, that was fiery, that was almost divine in a sense. It, it was creativity, creating something new. And, and you watch television and movies and... I don't know how many books are like this. Do, do people even write books anymore? Read books anymore? But you watch television, you watch entertainment, and it's it's a perversion of all of this. It, it's not creative. It's not imaginative. It's not beautiful. It's it's uncreative. It's unimaginative, and it's ugly. It, 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 today, it's just the bad and the ugly. There's no good in any of it. Entertainment is is garbage. 
everything has been subverted. All the good has been subverted in the entertainment industry. Virtually all the good has been subverted in the process of what we call politics. But the republic still stands. And the foundation of the republic is still there. Like the foundation of so many of those statues that were torn down, like the Frederick Douglass statue, the great black republican abolitionist, was torn down in Rochester. Not yesterday, but the day before yesterday. I was going to drive down there, but I just decided to come home instead. I thought it would make me a little bit too too upset. But the destruction of those statues, the destruction of the art of filmmaking and the art of, of music making, the art of art, to, to make everything ugly and depressing and bad and ugly, to, to, to destroy people's will to not only thrive so that they're complacent and that they're apathetic and that they're lethargic, but to destroy their will to live to destroy the spirit, to destroy their will to create things, to interact with others and to build something. This is the process of demoralization. And this process of demoralization is a tactic that is used to tear down and rebuild civilization on a global scale. But before this can be done, it has to be done on a smaller scale. It's been done to small countries. It was done to Russia in 1917. It was done to China in the late 1940s, 1948. Some guy with a mustache stopped it in Germany in the 30s, which is why you hear so many terrible things about Adolf Hitler. I'm not saying he was a great man, but horrible things about Adolf Hitler, horrible things about the Germans, horrible things about what Hitler did during World War II, but you never hear anything bad. Hardly ever do you hear anything bad about Joseph Stalin or Karl Marx or Mao Zedong. I mean, sometimes people ask me what I'm reading, and right now I'm reading The Cultural Revolution by Frank Decoder. And I know just instinctually People that see me reading and, and they ask me, like, what are you reading? I tell them the Cultural Revolution. They're like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Mao Zedong, man, he's a cool guy. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm surprised you even know who Mao Zedong is. Second of all, yeah, he was one of the biggest pieces of trash, one of the biggest demons to ever exist on this planet. And then they just look at me like, yeah, man, but he, he collectivized everything and he, he, he made his people equal. And I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. What Mao Zedong did, see, here's the difference between socialism and fascism in, this, in the context of, of World War II and the post-World War II world, where you think about Germany, and you think about the Soviet Union, and you think about communist China, which was set up by, they were supported by the Russians, the Soviet Union, but they were set up by the British. So when you think about Germany, what do you hear about Germany? that they destroyed these, these monuments and they destroyed the art and they destroyed entertainment and they brought society to its knees. Actually, on the contrary, Germany became beautiful. Perhaps more beautiful than it had ever been in context with any other period of, t- period of time. Prior to World War I, Germany was this magical, mystical place of castles and beautiful people. 
Then they were denigrated with propaganda during and before World War I and then after World War I being held responsible for starting a war they didn't start and all the repercussions of that. And then you had the destruction of German society through the 20s during the Weimar Republic into the early 30s. Hitler put a stop to that and said no more perversive art, no more sexualization of children, no more transgender studies, no more institutes for sexual science where we chop people's balls off. Literally, a guy had his penis chopped off in like 1924, the first sexual surgery ever performed officially, and he came back later and said, I'd like my balls and penis back. This is not a joke. (laughs) It's funny, but it's not a joke. It's not hyperbole. There's a book written on it, actually, called Gay Berlin. And I guess some people like this book because they think it's it's in promotion of, like, LGBTQ things. They even keep it in the LGBTQ section. But it's actually about the horrors, or at least that's how I saw it. It's about the horrors of what happened in the 20s in Germany. Hitler put a stop to that. No more perversive art. No more sexualization of children. We're going to bring things back into this country and we're going to nationalize germany and germany you look at the pictures all you see is like hitler with a mustache some ss officers and some cool hugo voss and you see like some german tanks with metal crosses you don't ever see like beautiful color pictures of berlin one of the most beautiful i mean it looked like a utopia not that it was but it looked like what you would imagine you know the future would look like for that time period beautiful The men, the women looked beautiful, beautiful kids, beautiful families, full-time work, building things. And see, if you compare that to the Soviet Union or how about communist China, think about the destruction of art and the destruction of history and tradition, the destruction of societal normalcy. Where you didn't know if you walked out on the street, if you were going to be dragged to a podium in a struggle session and have to repent for things you didn't do. China turned into, after the 48 revolution, an absolute hell on earth. And it remains a hell on earth to this day. And through the cultural revolution in the late 50s into the 60s into the early 70s, but mostly in the 60s, This is just mainline history you can read. What the Red Guards and all the culture revolution groups and the Mao Brigades and all these these organizations, all these groups of people that fought amongst themselves, what they did to not other countries, but what they did to themselves. They they ate each other. They destroyed each other. They, 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 They killed each other, literally. They went around, they rounded up books and... They rounded up statues. They tore down statues. They rounded up everything from couches and jewelry, anything that was shiny, anything that was beautiful, anything that was interpreted as capitalistic, anything that was interpreted as being part of a of a of a uh, a, a, a sign of wealth. Which you might think, well, that's like a diamond ring. No, a sign of wealth might have been you have a spoon, and your neighbor doesn't have a spoon, so that's a sign of wealth. You get struck over the back of the head. And we take your spoon. And if you say anything to us, we shoot you in the head or we cut your throat. That, that's collectivization. That was the institution of a communist collectivized society in China. And people that were wearing high heels and dresses and women that had beautiful long hair, beautiful Chinese ladies, 
All that went away. No more beautiful haircuts. No more men doing their hair, wearing suits, women wearing dresses. No more high heels, nice shoes. Everybody wears one gray blob. They literally just wore these. They were usually just gray uniforms with a red armband. Isn't that funny that you always hear about like the swastika armband and the nice suits? At least the Germans had nice suits. Come on. The, the, the Soviets had horrible uniforms. I mean, they were still better than the Chinese, but the Chinese had just literal gray-on-gray gray blobs. I mean, you see pictures that are in color, it's still black and white because that's what China was. It was a black-and-white, soulless nightmare. And to a large degree, it still is today. There's been a lot of revisionism in China. Today, it's a more capitalist, communist country. But it's an absolute police state nightmare. And they all wore the gray uniforms. That's the destruction of beauty. That's the destruction of all things that are good. And it only leaves the bad and the ugly. And part of this process, whether it was carried out in Russia in 1917, Russia is still to this day coming out of this. You go back far enough, you go back to the 1860s, 1850s, it was actually Russia, the Tsar, sent Abraham Lincoln naval ships to support the North to defeat not only slavery, which was probably one of the lowest things on the agenda, but to defeat the Bank of England, because that was the primary driving force funding the southern states along with France, and both of these countries sent troops to Canada and to Mexico. I think French troops went to Mexico British troops went to Canada, and they were ready to invade the United States, coming up from the south with the south, pushing south into the north, and of course the troops coming down from Canada into the north and sandwiching the north and crushing them and destroying everything that had been that had been built in the north, which would allow would, would have destroyed the Union, of course, and would have allowed for slavery to proliferate into this giant, basically a giant British-French slave empire. The, the British didn't end slavery. The French didn't end slavery. I mean, you had the French Revolution, but n- nothing at all like what happened in the United States. And, and, and the Russians also supported the United States, supported the Union in other ways. And, and now it's like Russia's coming out of that, so Russia's the bad guy. Oh, the president colluded with Russia. Russia's a horrible place. And I ask people, well, why wouldn't we want to be friends with Russia? They put bounties on our soldiers. It's like what you you literally get that from like CBS News, and then that becomes reality. And then what Russia represents as a nation, all of that is irrelevant because you read a CBS News article. It's just pathetic. It's disgraceful. It's pathetic. And it's just jaw-dropping. I'm not saying Russia's a great place or, you know, Britain's a terrible place. I'm, I'm, this is just a little bit of history. But the demoralization process in the United States is is long, 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 long completed. Now we're just, you know, you worked your eight-hour shift, and now you're in overtime, and you're just every second you're making extra money you don't really necessarily need on your next paycheck. Right now it's just extra, 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 extra. But, but see, this process of demoralization, like this ex-KGB officer working for a Soviet press agency, Novosti, uh, Yuri Bezmenov, this is a process that, didn't, that doesn't just, it, does, it's not, it doesn't go from demoralization to destabilization to crisis and normalization. 
that process is part of a larger process. So from demoralization to normalization, it, it's demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and then normalizing the new normal. And then it starts again and again until the country's will is broke, until the people's will is broke, and then the system collapses. These are the stages of ideological subversion. This is what the Soviets called active measures. And these active measures are being deployed against you, your family, and your country, even if you're not an American. Because now the Knights of the Golden Circle, in spirit, the Knights that would protect the Golden Circle that was the large Caribbean, Mexican, Southern, United States slave compound, want to create a global slave compound. And there are only a small number of things that are standing between the establishment of that global slave compound and us. Because China is one of the driving factors in this. The United Nations is a driving factor in this. Billionaire philanthropists like Bill Gates are a driving factor in this. Very few things. The spirit of the American people, the recognition of how evil China is by other countries that might be just as equally evil, but countries like India that don't want anything at all now to do with China, even countries like Australia, people are seeing what's going on. Governments are seeing what's going on. It doesn't make the get, get that government of that country great. It, ju it just means that even though there are a lot of problems that, that, that are probably inherent in a lot of places in the world, to, to, to suggest that we can get rid of all these problems, like the 1960 State Department document, the memorandum, was it 7277 or something, that said we're going to disarm the world to stop war. We're, we're, you know, the, 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 the intelligence agencies, the, the, the government think tanks, the plans to destabilize society by stripping the masculinity out of men, stripping the femininity out of women, breaking apart the family structure, removing the child, raising the child as a good comrade, and then children in the future would be born through a process of pod-like breeding, where it would be literally like a brave new world, societies controlled exclusively by a pharmacological method, and children are growing like in the Matrix. Humans are not born, Neo, they are growing. There are fields, Neo, fields, endless fields, where humans are not born, they are growing. Aldous Huxley wrote about it. So let's go back to this interview by Yuri Bezmanov being interviewed by G. Edward Griffin in the 1980s. He is going to describe the process of destabilization again after the process of denormalization, destabilization into normalization. And, of course, we hear about normalization quite a bit now. They just call it the new normal. So demoralize people, make them feel afraid and small. They're going to get sick with COVID-19. They're going to get other people sick. This destabilizes the economy. It destabilizes foreign relations. It destabilizes defense systems, three things specifically named by Yuri in this interview. Then you create the crisis. It's America's fault. Any free nation, it's their fault for the COVID-19 pandemic. And then you have racial tensions that are artificially inflated. And then we go back to the crisis of COVID-19. And then we're told all of this, the bubble pods, the vaccines, 
everything that's going to be mandatory, they tell us, or at least they suggest this to us to further demoralize us, to make us think there's no hope, so that we acquiesce, so that we give in. I'll tell you right, tell you what right now, never give in, never give in, never give in, never surrender these, to these people because the human will overpowers these monsters and these demons. And unless you acquiesce to them, they have no power against you. Maybe they strike down your physical body. But what's that to the spirit and to the soul? Never, ever give in. Never give in. If you give in, even think about giving in, you already lost. Here's Yuri Bezmanov in the 1980s explaining part of this process. The last part is the new normal. New normal. The new normalization. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense, an economy, the, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C. All these things have already happened. We are in the process of normalization, and the cycle repeats itself. Demoralization, destabilization, leading to a new normal a new normalization. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us right here on The Fringe FM. to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. A woman in politics is like a donkey doing calculus. Come on, there are plenty of amazing women politicians. Name one. Uh, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton? Awful. How is she awful? Hates freedom. Here at The Secret Teachings, we're pushing 11 years on air. From powerful interviews to truly unique analysis, we're here for you five nights a week. And now we can also be with you whenever you want to listen. 
Just subscribe to our archive today and get access to stream and download every show after it airs. Your subscription also includes access on the site to my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir, along with my original books that many people have been asking for, The Grand Illusion, The Persistent Illusion, and False Prophets. We are also growing our montage archive, which will be available on the site for subscribers to listen. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info, click on the Donate or Subscribe tab at the top of the page, and become a member today. Even if you aren't a member, though, you can access certain select shows in our free archive and grab a free show released every week on the site. Otherwise, catch us Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> like you're all working for the same guy. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. See, now you're infecting my memory with your memory, and I can't even remember my own life correctly. I think you are remembering okay, it. Guys, it was uh, pretty good. Guys, guys, no, no, no. Can, can we not do this? Can we not start messing with each other's memories, okay? Distorting facts, that, it, like, basically changes history. You know, it's like fake news. You know, and then all of a sudden, nobody knows what the truth is, and facts don't matter. Guys, it's a slippery slope. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Understand the procedure now? Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. have a good mind and are actually seeing what's going on and doing something about it. And that's why I'd be delighted to come on your show anytime. You call me and I'll be there. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com and you're listening to 
The Secret Teachings, excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. This is more Ennio Marconi for a few dollars more. It's one of my favorite Western films with Clint Eastwood. Another example of beautiful music. This is one of those things that we're told that the, the evil Nazis, they wanted to get rid of things that were beautiful. Historically, though, on the contrary, the Germans wanted to protect things that were beautiful. They went through a couple of decades of cultural destruction. In, in the 20s in particular, the destruction of German customs and traditions and the attempted communist overthrow of the German government just like had been done in 1917 in Russia. And what we talked about with the communist revolution in China, the cultural revolution, the destruction of monuments and history and books, and they burned a lot more books in China than they burned in Germany, I can tell you that. The destruction of art, anything beautiful, replacing everything with this gray and red, with a star and a picture of Mao, the great fat loser leader, or misleader, Mao Zedong, who killed 100 million people. And now this same process is being carried out in the United States of America. It has been for decades, and the process has been normalized and then destabilized and then normalized, and now we are at a new phase of this Soviet active measures technique to destabilize a country and bring it to its knees. Part of that process of normalization. We were playing the uh, Yuri interview from the 1980s ex-KGB officer, Yuri Bezmanov. Let's listen to the rest of this song here first. For a few dollars more. Pierre Colche Daro in Pio. I don't know if I can pronounce that right. From Ennio Marconi, who just died a few days ago. makes me happy. It's like I want to be outside and I want to see I want to see the southwest again. I'm going to go back to I'm going to go back to the desert and broadcast radio and not be stuck here in this police state known as New York. This is the rest of the interview with Yuri Brezhnev and G Edward Griffith who doesn't really say much during this segment of the interview, but Yuri is describing this process of normalization. Here's the rest of that interview. This is uh, defense and economy. Uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda, 
when the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. Your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are not, they are not needed yeah, What anymore. happens when they the job is much. finished? Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, the, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. Karl Marx once said, prior to the U.S. Civil War, that if you were to wipe out North America, there would result anarchy in the world. The ideas of liberty that were preserved in the U.S. Republic are only repugnant to two kinds of people. The ignorant, historical ignorance, is probably one of the main forms of ignorance, and the Marxist philosopher who believes in permanent class struggle directed by an elite class and believes that they will obtain the power but as Yuri said they will be lined up against the wall and shot. The U.S. Civil War, contrary to what a lot of people thought and think today, was not fought over slavery. It was fought over economic issues. The, the, the outside world, Britain, France, and other countries, wanted to see the United States Union dissolve. With the exception of Russia, as one of the sole allies of the U.S. Republic, that helped to defend the country against British and French assault. They sent warships, the Russians did, to the, uh, to the north, to the west and east of the country, but to the northern states in order to help preserve the Union and prevent an attack by the British or the French. But see, the outside world wanted to see the Union dissolve, just like Marx. They wanted to see the United States collapse. Once the people and the nation are demoralized and society destabilized, crisis leads to a violent change and a new process of normalization that may be indefinite and repeat itself as part of this process of denormalization, destabilization, etc. This is called the Cultural Revolution. It's called Active Measures, a term developed by the Soviet Union, and it's alive and well in Marxist America. I did a show called Marxist America last week on the Fringe FM here. It's in the archive at thesecretteachings.info. And we also talked about Civil War history, American Revolution history, on Monday's show this week. To me, this is like pulling the sword out of the anvil in the original story or out of the stone. It's like pulling the Arthenian sword out of the stone. Like uh, It's like, He-Man, I have the power because you have the power understanding history it doesn't see i i talk about history from the point of view of like a child just pulling toys out of a toy bin my, my son fox does that he just pulls his little cars out and his little planes out he does little car noises he's like one and a half now i don't know where he learned that 
because he doesn't really watch TV, but he does little car noises. But he's pulling all these toys out, and I, he can pull them out, do whatever he wants with them. But as soon as he, you know, he wants to put the toy in his mouth and try to bite the paint off, I tell him, no, 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 can't do that, can't do that. Try, try not to say no. I'll say, like, you can't, can't do that, buddy. And, of course, he knows he can't do it. So as soon as I give him the binky, he throws it out and puts the car back in his mouth. But my, my, my point is, to use this as an analogy, I'm like the little kid. I'm just pulling all these details out of the toy box. And then at some point, something comes out where someone's like, no, 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 don't put that in your mouth. No, 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 don't talk about that. Don't say anything about that. Because the, the historical ignorance of the average collective population is stunning. The historical ignorance of the American public pertaining to things like slavery and the founding of the country has resulted in current calls for reparations, primarily from the Democratic Party, primarily from those leftists that Yuri talked about, along with social demands that the wrongs of white people, white ancestors, be corrected by a current generation. And it's really odd that the Democratic Party by any definition, would support such social justice considering that it was the Republican Party that almost exclusively passed the 13th Amendment freeing slaves, the 14th Amendment and 15th Amendment granting citizenship and voting rights, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Reconstruction Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. The Civil Rights Act of 1866 was also a part of that, but that merged into the 14th Amendment later, same, about the same year. I mean, the Democratic Party at that time almost exclusively was opposed, minus a very few number of representatives, to freeing the slaves, giving them voting rights, making them citizens. Civil rights, like voting rights, are a little bit different than natural rights, though, because civil rights are voting rights, natural rights are self-defense rights. I, I think most of you understand that. People always say that the, the U.S. Constitution in, in, in enshrines racism. They say that the three-fifths clause of the U.S. Constitution is, is a racist clause. But they never use the word slave or slavery. The three-fifths clause of the three-fifths compromise of the U.S. Constitution, far from being a section meant to further enslave people, it actually prevented states with legal slavery from counting those slaves as human property, which they were insignificant and worthless commodities until they could count them for political power, and then the states wanted to count these slaves. Hey, we've got some slaves here. We'd like to count them as people. Well, you don't consider them people. You don't consider them to have rights. You can count them as three-fifths of a person. And at this time, by 1804, slavery was banned in the North. Slave importation was halted almost immediately within just a few years. In effect, the three-fifths compromise allowed for the establishment of limited government and property rights. It protected African Americans who otherwise may have remained slaves forever had the South exercised more political power than the North and established a union with slavery as the only form of, of government, a union of the southern states with slavery. The North would have very limited power, but instead, a union was formed with slavery in the South, between the North and the South, temporarily allowing slavery to exist, to be legal, but ultimately to be eliminated. Because there were other things that were more pressing, because even if you just freed slaves, there were other things like private property rights and limited government the establishment of the republic was the foundation to free slaves. That's why slaves weren't freed immediately. And, and even so, the South wasn't full of a bunch of racist slave drivers. They, they were comprised mostly of organizations like the Democratic Party, 
At the time, the Democratic Party concocted a psychological tactic to convince poor white people that they were important if they supported racial inequality, meaning white supremacy became a currency among white people. And the Republican Party did the very opposite, where they tried to help freed slaves. They created the Freedmen Bureau and placed former slaves on former plantations. But Andrew Johnson, the president at the time, gave pardons to the plantation owners to retain their land. So the Republican Party set up groups to help African-Americans get elected to local, state, and federal government. And, And they did do this. And so, as part of a response, the Democratic Party established the Ku Klux Klan. There were a number of organizations, uh, groups by the name of uh, Pale White Faces, the White Brotherhood, all these. But the Ku Klux Klan, which Klukos means circle in Greek, so the Ku Klux Klan was founded alongside of numerous groups, and they did not attack blacks initially. They attacked white people initially. They assigned whites to the category of black for their adherence to liberty and morals rather than white supremacy and race. See, white supremacy isn't an ideology of a race. It's an ideology of a political party. It's a political tool and a political weapon. The Ku Klux Klan, the Ku Klux Klan, was formed as an extension of the Knights of the Golden Circle, the Golden Ku Klux. The Golden Circle was a group dedicated to bringing about a massive slave plantation with a circumference of around 24 to 2,500 miles. This was the Golden Circle that would be monitored by the Knights of the Golden Circle. And and again, the Republican Party said, we're not going to have this, so they created the Ku Klux Klan Acts of 1871, otherwise known as the Force Bill, to stop the violence. That lasted until the birth of a nation in 1915 when it was released which portrayed the Klan as protectors of whites, which was true white supremacy. So segregation was, as a result of the reemergence of the Klan, segregation was expanded by the Democratic Party, which in the Civil Rights era utilized constitutional amendments 13, 14, and 15, passed by Republicans to pass the Civil Rights Act, Fair Housing Bill, and the Voting Rights Act, all of which were things within those bills and acts that were already granted to black people. You didn't need these these Civil Rights Acts. You already had a Civil Rights Act in 1866. It was the 14th Amendment. You had the 13th Amendment and the 15th Amendment. These acts didn't do, do, do they did virtually nothing in comparison with the amendments to the U.S. Constitution. And, but but these acts and these these bills were touted as democratic efforts to help black people. So what ultimately occurred here was that there was a switch from blacks on plantations working as slaves for nothing to blacks doing nothing but receiving meager handouts to remain poor and stupid. And so the current issue of social justice run by communist, Marxist, Leninist groups like Black Lives Matter, the founder of which even said we're trained Marxists, are trained in Marxism. They are trained in active measures to destabilize and to demoralize our culture and our society and our country. Because now Black Lives Matter, sometimes acting violently, acts as an extension of the Ku Klux Klan. I know this might be outrageous, but hear me out. They act as an extension of the Ku Klux Klan because 
The Klan claimed to protect whites while attacking whites who didn't agree with slavery and then also attacking blacks. Black Lives Matter claims to protect blacks as if they are their servants while lambasting whites who don't support modern enslavement, just as the Klan did in the 19th and 20th centuries. Now when blacks speak out of line with their Democratic masters, say to vote Republican, or maybe they want to voice their opinion about something that's not political, they're struck down as being under the control of white people. And that's exactly what the Klan called white people who didn't support slavery. They called them white Negroes. Blacks are now essentially black whites. Oh, you're just a white guy. You're under the oppression of white people. If you don't support Black Lives Matter, you're a racist if you're white, and you're also white if you're black if you don't support the movement. And there's some really dumb black people and some really dumb white people. The ones that buy into political weapons of things like white supremacy and racial equality. See, it was racial inequality that originally defined white supremacy. And you were told, support racism, support slavery, or you are nothing, you are insignificant, you might as well be a slave yourself. And now you're told, support racial equality. And if you don't, then you're just a racist. And if you're black and you don't support it, then you're just a white person. This is gaslighting and historical ignorance, along with the constitutional framework to preserve, uh, preserve liberty that's been perverted. All of this is so profound that it's no surprise people are burning American flags. It's no surprise people are wanting the national anthem banned or destroying historical monuments. They ripped down Frederick Douglass in Rochester, New York, not too far from where I am. And they're lashing out at anything that represents America. They think that this country represents what it was founded to oppose. It's no wonder they think this country is of white men for white men who enslaved blacks and built the country on their backs. And although there were some very serious slave-owning racists and some very, very serious forms of segregation that lasted until not too long ago, and in many forms there are these types of racial divides today. But historically, it's been powerfully manufactured. If you go back to 1688, there was a proclamation from Germantown that said, we oppose slavery. The, the guy who founded uh, uh, Pennsylvania, William Penn, I think it was 1681 he founded Pennsylvania. William Penn said he was against slavery. He wrote a whole thing, a Declaration of Rights, which actually kind of became the one of the prototypes for the Bill of Rights later. About, about 100 years or so later. So from the beginning, the colonists who came here in, in, in the early 1600s, 1607, 1620, Jamestown, Virginia, and Plymouth, these colonists worked with Native Americans, and they built colonies, and they came to escape religious persecution. Later on, a lot later on, over 100 years later, when you had the American Revolution beginning in 1775, it was against the Bank of England. It was against the outlawing of interest-free currency. It was against a small, teeny tiny bit of taxation that Benjamin Franklin said could have been, uh, you know, it could have been maintained by the population. But it was the outlawing of interest-free currency that was the main cause of the revolution. They called it colonial script. Slavery was not a primary contributing factor to why anybody came to America, why there was an American Revolution, 
that was fought over banking. And in 1812, it was fought over banking. And, and the Civil War was fought over what Abraham Lincoln called money powers. It was fought over banking. And the First World War was fought over banking. And the Second World War was fought over bank. Every war is essentially fought over banking. Some element of banking. Some element of banking power. Some element of economical control. You can call it whatever you choose to call it, but this is the history and it's also very well documented. There are so many other factors that go into historical events. I mean, like, for example, the, the Knights of the Golden Circle, the Ku Klux Klan that said, if you're white and don't support us, you might as well be a Negro. Attacking whites, claiming to protect whites unless they disagree. Now Black Lives Matter claims to protect blacks while attacking blacks who disagree. And also whites who disagree just like the Ku Klux Klan attacked whites who disagreed and also attacked blacks because, well, obviously they disagreed with slavery. Another thing that is very, very rarely mentioned is that there were many occasions when some slaves had the ability to leave the plantation, especially during the war when masters were gone and they were left alone. They didn't know where to go. They were dragged out of their country. They were brought to a foreign land, they were given food and shelter, maybe minimally. Yeah, they were treated horribly, some places worse than others, but they didn't know where else to go. It's like someone who's in prison. It's like the guy from, what's that movie, uh, Shawshank Redemption, the old guy, he gets out of prison, and he ends up just hanging himself. He, he doesn't know what to do. So a lot of blacks chose to stay on the plantation, literally and figuratively. And the new form of plantation is handouts. Handouts, 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 free things. Free things. Like Yuri said in that 1980s interview, the ex-KGB officer working for a Soviet propaganda press department. The, the Marxist-Leninist ideas in America are, are incredible. And you can't let these schmucks push you to the point of, through demoralization and destabilization to a, a, a crisis and a normalization as part of the active measures process. And we're allowing this to happen because we don't understand history. The, the, the reality is that so few people own slaves and so much of the population came after the Civil War that, that very little of this country was founded on the backs of blacks. In fact... It was probably founded on the backs of blacks and Irish and Germans and so many others. A, a literal and proverbial melting pot. It was founded on the backs of those people through hard work, long hours, blood, sweat, tears, dedication, moral guidance, divine guidance. Not that this country was founded by, by some divine judgment. I'm saying divine guidance listening to a moral compass, a strong will and a strong heart, a fiery spirit, and, of course, firearms. I, b I believe the Russians even supplied the, uh, the colonies with firearms at one point. The, or the, 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 I think the French had supplied uh, firearms to, to, the, uh, to the colonies. I can't remember if the Russians did or not. I mean, the Russians did supply warships during the Civil War. 
to prevent the uh, union from splitting. But but all of these things, the, these ideas along with life, liberty, and the right to pursue, but not necessarily obtain happiness, are shared with every religion, every nationality, and every race. That's what this country is. Any element in this country that doesn't act like that, they are not a part of the founding principles of this country because what this country represents is clearer to people in Hong Kong than it is to citizens in major U.S. cities. Because people in Hong Kong understand history, people in Hong Kong look on the West, they look at the United States just like people in, um, in South Korea. I've met a ton of people from South Korea, and they always tell me South Koreans love Americans. They, they want to come to America. If you come to South Korea, they would rather speak English with you than if you knew Korean. This is just what I'm told. The world looks at us as a shining example of freedom and liberty for all people. And it's about time as Americans... And even if you're not an American, you live somewhere else, it's about time as humans that we tie our shoes like adults, we tie our boots, we pull up the boots, we tie them, we put on the battle gear, and we go to battle with these subversive elements in our society and our culture intellectually and spiritually. And we defeat them and we stop them before they reach the gates of to the inner Zion, into the inner city, the last city, the last defensive measure against the total annihilation of the human species and the human race. Any other race is an extension of and a byproduct of the human race, meaning that any other identification of race as a separate thing from the human race is a social construct. They always say gender is a social construct. No, race is a social construct. Gender is a biological scientific fact. And the confusion over gender and the creation of a bewildered and and, and disoriented population is part of the process of demoralization. All the things we talk about here on this show, all the things we talk about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, here on other shows, people that have very little awareness and very little conscious awareness, I'm not saying that as a derogatory thing, feel that this is negative and that this is this is scary, that, that it's fear-mongering. No, no, it's the opposite of fear-mongering. It's a beautiful thing. I, I haven't talked to him for a while, but, a, but a, a, a friend of mine, used to be a friend of mine, William Sweeney, the, the musician, he had a song where he, he once said, he said, confrontation of a tyrant is a beautiful thing. And it is. Confrontation of a tyrant is a beautiful thing. Not compliance, not acquiescence, not bowing down, not licking the boot, not putting your head down and letting the boot stamp on your face forever. But lighting the spirit, the fire, letting it burn through and letting the spirit guide you as opposed to letting these subversive active measure techniques and emotions and propaganda and public relations, whether they're from the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany or communist China, whether they're intelligence operations, no matter what they are, instead of allowing other people to direct you and through ignorance and lack of information, allowing other people to direct you and manipulate you and control you, you become aware. Now you have control. And that's what we're talking about here on The Secret Teachings. I'm real. You're real. Liberty is real. Freedom is real for all people, no matter what you look like, where you come from, no matter 
what your beliefs are. Working within the confines of a free and open society, we all get along and we can all create something. We can all better ourselves. It benefits everybody. The only people that don't benefit are those subversive elements that want control and want power and they believe that you don't have a right to speak, you don't have a right to worship, you don't have a right to defend yourself, and you sure as hell don't have a right to exist and have a family. You are insignificant, you are cattle, you are dumb animals on the front line like Henry Kissinger said about soldiers. But we are none of those things. All of that is meant to demoralize us. Now smile, stand up, dust yourself off, and charge into battle. Enio Morricone the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good will overcome the bad and the ugly. And we're trying to do that here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Check us out at thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe today. You get access to the whole show archive, every broadcast after it airs. There's a page on the website. Every one of my books is there. You can download them. You can look at them and read them as part of your subscription. We're also going to have the montage in the archive, all the montage is there as well. Check it out at www.thesecretteachings.info. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Listening to the Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. A woman in politics is like a donkey doing calculus. Come on, there are plenty of amazing women politicians. Name one. Uh, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton? Awful. How is she awful? Hates freedom. Here at The Secret Teachings, we're pushing 11 years on air. From powerful interviews to truly unique analysis, we're here for you five nights a week. And now we can also be with you whenever you want to listen. Just subscribe to our archive today and get access to stream and download every show after it airs. Your subscription also includes access on the site to my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir, along with my original books that many people have been asking for, The Grand Illusion, The Persistent Illusion, and False Prophets. We are also growing our montage archive, which will be available on the site for subscribers to listen. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info, click on the Donate or Subscribe tab at the top of the page, and become a member today. Even if you aren't a member, though, you can access certain select shows in our free archive and grab a free show released every week on the site. Otherwise, catch us Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats, go, oh, we did all the good stuff. It's like you're all working for the same guy. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. 
see, now you're infecting my memory with your memory, and I can't even remember my own life correctly. Yeah. I think you are remembering okay, it. Guys, it was uh, pretty good. Bit. Guys, no, 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 no. Can, can we not do this? Can we not start messing with each other's memories, okay? Distorting facts, that, it, like, basically changes history. You know, it's like fake news. You know, and then all of a sudden, nobody knows what the truth is, and facts don't matter. Guys, it's a slippery slope. Alex X. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK The Fringe FM.